All right, welcome back to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I'm your host, Jordan Overturf, coming to you once again from RPT HQ in the heart of downtown Austin. We've got another candidate on the show today, uh, but before we get to that, I've got a very important announcement. There are two days left in early voting for the special election runoffs in Houston and Fort Bend County. If you've been paying attention to the news at all, you will know that HD28 has become a national focus. They are now saying that this race in HD 28 will set the tone for the entire course of 2020. Whether or not that's true in Texas or nationwide is yet to be determined, but we know one thing is for certain. Democrats from across the nation are pouring thousands of dollars into the race. They are supporting the Democrat candidate there. Presidential candidates either failed or continuing uh, their own private crusades are coming in and endorsing the candidate. They are trying to buy this seat. Democrats from across the nation are trying to buy this seat in an, or, in an effort to steal the narrative from Texas Republicans who are not going to allow this supposed blue wave to take over our state. So what I need you to do is get involved. First of all, if you live in Houston or Fort Bend County in HD 28 or HD 148, you need to get out and vote. Early voting continues through Friday and election day is Tuesday, January 28th. If you don't live in this district and you still want to do your part to support Republicans, there is a statewide day of action. Uh, Texans for Greg Abbott is sponsoring a statewide deployment where they'll cover uh, hotel and travel expenses for you. We've been pushing that out on our uh, Young Republicans Facebook page. Uh, make sure you go to either Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find it there. We'll continue to push it out. We'll be messaging again to our base. Uh, but the point is, is that there is a day of action coming up this Saturday to get involved and show Democrats from across the nation and across the state that Republicans are not going to sit by and let their state be taken over. Uh, what you can also do is go and volunteer. Uh, Louis LaRota, young Republican, friend of the podcast, is running an HD 148 to turn that district red for the first First time ever, HD 148 has the potential to be represented by a Republican, and that Republican very well could be HYR member Louis LaRota, veteran, good guy. If you want to know more about Louis, you can go back to episode one and listen to his stance on uh, policy, representing the community, all of those things. So again, if you have the ability to get down to Houston and Fort Bend County, uh, there are ways for you to get involved. If not, you can still do your part from home. We have ways for you to uh, get trained on a phone banking app so you can be making calls. If you know friends or family who live in these districts, make sure they are getting out and voting. Do your part to get the word out, get the vote out for these Republican candidates. Have I said HD 28 and HD 148 enough? I hope so. Uh, again, if you want to find out more about that, follow Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also pushing out, pushing out information on the Big Texas Podcast platforms on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. Okay. My guest today is Joe Walls. He is a veteran. He is a small business owner in uh, Richmond-Rosenberg area. And uh, 
full disclosure, we're actually old friends. Uh, we grew up uh, in similar circles. Uh, I lived actually on the Harris County side. He grew up in the Fort Bend County side, and one of his cousins lived next door to me. So I've actually known Joe for a long time. Uh, it's real interesting to see both of us on the paths that we are, but both young Republicans getting out there, trying to get the message out for future generations. So uh, he is running as a Republican and uh the congressional district CD 22 once held by Pete Olson. Uh, he is retiring and leaving an open field there. So uh, there are lots of candidates in this race. And I really am uh, grateful that Joe got a chance to come down to RPTHQ and sit down and talk to us about his message. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Walls. This is a heck of a time to be getting into politics. I mean, you know, you, you come out of the military, start a business, you start looking around, you know, what, what spurred you to get into to this kind of atmosphere? Well, you know, I've always been interested. I've always supported candidates any way I could, whether it be financially or, you know, get out there. I think my first campaign I worked on was about 18 years ago, um, holding up a sign for Gary Gates running in HD 28. So uh -huh. that was my first taste of politics. And yeah, I went off to the military, came back, you know, brought a couple more Republicans. I had a couple daughters. So, um, and now I have a third, you know, she's a, a tiny little baby. So over the next 18 years, what happens in the country is going to affect them greatly. And I want them to have the same opportunities. And I, and I dang sure don't want them to stand in line for bread or experience any hint of socialism or Medicare for all or anything like that, because that's not the way the country's going to work for them. At mm -hmm. Well, with your military background, you know, does it, does it get under your skin a little when you hear, you know, Medicare for all and free college tuition when this country already has a pretty robust uh, health care and education program for those who serve their country? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, VA health care and, and the military medical system, which is a little bit different than VA, VA um, is a prime example of what you don't want for the rest of America. You know, um, it's it's excruciatingly long waits, and it's um, you know the joke is what do you call the guy in med school that gets a D? And it's captain, you know, because he's going to go to the military. <laughs> but that's a joke. There's some very good providers, but uh, the VA is socialized medicine, mm -hmm. and and it's very difficult and expensive to make that work for the veteran community. So. Yeah, no, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. Well, and as you look at, you know, what's happening on the other side, clearly socialism and things like that are, are a big talking point. Uh, I think I saw a headline today that said Elizabeth Warren would be okay with uh, no new houses being built in America. Like, I... <laughs> I well, there, there goes all the... Uh, all the construction work uh, yeah. and growth and managed growth. Uh, you yeah. Know. And that's, you know, real estate's the the number one way that people create wealth. I mean, yeah. that's the biggest creator of wealth in the country. Yeah. But on the other side of that, like the, I guess the, the part of my question that I was trying to get to was uh, why do you think it is this country wants something for nothing? I mean, our veterans are going out there they're putting their lives on the line and there are so many benefits that come with it. You know, uh, has this country lost its way? What, I mean, you and I are from the same generation of 
you know, you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you, you know, you go out and you earn your opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, I mean, you know me, I didn't grow up rich or anything like that. I mean, it was, it was work and make something for yourself or, or get out of the way. You know, my parents never encouraged handouts or, you know, we could have easily fallen to those Democrat principles and, and taken a handout or that been our path, but that's just not Texas values. And yeah, it is frustrating because that's a big tool to recruit people also into the military, you know, is the education and the healthcare and that kind of thing. So you're kind of removing a tool to encourage people to step up and do those things. But, um, you know, it's, it's just like when you see the ad and it's like, come, come pick up your free anything. And unfortunately we have such a busy lifestyle. Just society is so busy and so over, you know, so it's information overload that they can't stop to see that, hey, nothing's free, and the country's $23 trillion in debt. That's the last moment when you should be giving anything away. So, you know, for people who didn't, you know, grow up with you, kind of give them a, a little bit of your background, where you come from, uh, and, you know, what you've been up to, you know, these last 20 years or so. Yeah, no, so I grew up, uh, born and raised in Fort Bend County, and did all my schooling in Fort Bend ISD, I enlisted as soon as I could. You know, 14 months after 9-11, I begged my parents to sign the paperwork, and I left to the Army. I served all over the world, Iraq and Kuwait, Alaska, just literally all over the planet, and uh, used my GI Bill, used some of those education benefits that I earned, and, and became a helicopter pilot. I came back home. My wife became a law enforcement officer, um, and I started my company with $300, and uh me and, and family have built that into an, you know, an FAA certified air carrier. So we're a charter company and we started that with nothing. And, and it's because that's, you know, that's the American way you can do anything. Um, so that's been going seven years now. And now I fly life flight in addition to running my business wow. in the Houston area. So I have a, a pretty good insight of the healthcare industry in Houston and, and everywhere from picking someone up from a ditch all the way to the hospital environment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, can you briefly break down, you know, some of the complicated aspects of that, you know, on the healthcare side of things? Yeah, no, absolutely. Our, our nurses and, and our doctors spend more time explaining why somebody needed care than they do caring for somebody. Um, the insurance companies will not cut a check unless they give them literally every number and uh, to include you know, every vital sign, every two minutes in some cases, and they have to document every one of those things instead of focusing on care. And so it's little things like that. You know, there's a big picture healthcare wise. There's there's much bigger fish to fry, but something that's happening right now is is price setting. They want to set prices and they want to lock prices in and, and that's just not doable for a helicopter company. You know, those mm-hmm. expenses are are immense. So to lock something in and say, hey, no helicopter flight's going to cost more than $2,000. Well, there's not going to be any more availability for air medical in, in the country, really. And that's a huge need here in Texas, especially the rural parts uh, of the state. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, the number one, that's the number one thing for stroke and cardiac patients is, is how fast can you get them to that next level higher, you know, next higher level of care. And, and if you can keep that under an hour, you, you may have zero impact on your life, you know, quality of life or whether or not you live at all. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, since we've been growing up, Fort Bend County has changed a lot and become more of that kind of urban uh, district. And certainly CD22 uh, stretches uh, a part of 
huge growth in Houston, right? Uh, you know, when you're out there talking to voters, uh, I'm sure healthcare is one of the issues that is high on their priority list. What are some of the other issues that voters are talking to you about? You know, people are frustrated with the national debt. Um, they're they're, they're uh, encouraged by the economy. You know, Donald Trump's done really good with the economy. Uh, and our country is flourishing. You know, there's more jobs. There's there's opportunity. Um, they're they're fearful of socialism. They're fearful that 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 topic has gained traction with people like AOC and and Bernie. So that's kind of where they're at on the economy and, and the budget stuff. Um, you hear a lot about immigration and voter integrity as well. Um, that's a, a huge deal to Republicans because they feel like no matter how hard they work, no matter what their grassroots effort is. If the entire cemetery is voting for a Democrat, they're they're in trouble, you know, um, and that's maybe a, an exaggeration, but it's a huge deal in Texas. And, and we've seen those numbers. Well, and it's not unfounded. I, you know, I had someone reach out to me the other day and say that uh, I believe he lives in an apartment and he got voter registration cards for five other people who definitely don't live in that apartment where he lives by himself. So, you know. There's a weird narrative going on there in terms yeah. of integrity in our elections process. Um, has there been any, any issues that you, you know, you're at the door and a voter says, this is my priority that has maybe surprised you or caught you off guard? Uh, not completely. Um, I, I have heard Republicans that weren't very supportive of Donald Trump. I've, I've had that, that question before. Mm -hmm. um, I've had both ways. If you don't support Donald Trump, I'm not going to support you. And if you do support Donald Trump, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And um, so there's a divide in the Republican Party right now. There, there's, And it may be a minority that feel that way. And I support the president when his policies are working. I support him. Absolutely. Um, if he's going to do something that's going to hurt CD22, then I'm not on board. You know, I'm, I'm an individual and CD 22 is, is a unique district and we're, we're never going to fall in line just because the president thinks something's good. Um, we're going to look at how it affects CD 22 and, and vote that way. Well, and so you're a young guy, you know, the, the youth movement is certainly rising with, uh, AOC, but we've also got some, uh, younger guys in Dan Crenshaw, Van Taylor, um, Lance Gooden that have gone up this last session, uh, and they're starting to get their feet wet. Uh, in DC politics, you know, what would be kind of your approach? Uh, should you go on and win this election? Well, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on the, the efforts that they've made and the traction that they've gained. You know, I've met Dan a couple of times. Um, I've had conversations with even Ted Cruz and we've had good conversations and, um, you know, they've, they've made a name for themselves and they've given themselves the ability to, to work into different committees and that kind of thing. And you got to piggyback on that and, mm -hmm. and use that to your advantage um, but the biggest thing is growing that young base. Yeah. You know, in my district, people are concerned with the growth being certain uh, demographics or ethnic groups. And, and what they fail to realize is the fastest and largest growing electorate is people 35 and younger, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be, you know, the kids turning 18 or people voting for the first time in their life at the age of 30 or 32. And, uh, and I think more and more people are looking to vote for the first time uh, at, at the age of 30 or 32, they're finally starting to pay attention mm -hmm. and we have to excite them. You have to give them a reason to come talk to you. You have to give them, um, a, a location and an environment where they feel comfortable approaching their congressman. And, and unfortunately there's a lot of people that, um, that maybe aren't approachable that way. And, and I think Dan Crenshaw's done really good at that, at, at being available and, and being comfortable in an environment that those people are comfortable in. 
So are you specifically doing anything to reach out to young voters or help build that base? And uh, when you do speak to young people who are under the age of 30, you know, uh, how do you talk to them about being a Republican? Well, you know, I just talk like I am. I'm I'm a pretty average guy. So, you know, the first thing you do is take off your tie a little bit, you know, take off your jacket, put some boots on and and kick back and maybe have a beer with them, you know, Um, just listen. That's the biggest thing is they don't feel like they have a voice. Yeah. And uh, you got to listen. Another thing we've done is is 90% of my staff is an educator, an administrator at schools, that kind of thing. And they're in touch with, with the young generation, you know. Um, if you can't listen to their music without cringing or anything like that, it's going to be really hard to go to the places they like because that's the music you're going to hear. But you got to be where they're at. And, and I think that's the number one thing is, is be accessible. Go to them because – most people, you know, our age and younger, they just have too much to do. I don't have to, I don't have time to worry about who I'm voting for. I don't have time to listen to this, you know, rhetoric. But if you'll go to them and say, hey, no, just talk to me about your job. Talk to me about finance. What, what do you want? You know, what do you want to see for the country? What do you want to see for Houston? It's usually uh, an eye-opening experience for them and you because you'll actually get them talking. So what – for you, what are, what are those issues? You know, when you, you look at it, uh, you know, you're still a voter yourself. Uh, you know, what would you want from your own congressional representative? Well, I, I'd want access, right? So, um, are they going to collaborate with me? Are they going to listen to my ideas or, yep. or tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Are they going to go to DC and, and do what they say they're going to do? Because that's huge. Everybody campaigns on kind of the same, when you're in a primary, everyone's got pretty much the same message there's maybe one or two like sidebar you know going down some certain rabbit holes yeah. that people do but for the most part everybody's talking about the same things and you got to choose in my case between 15 people and decide are they going to do that is that really what they're going to do or is this going to be a forgotten you know platform until re-election so that's huge to me um and then lastly is is our are they in it for me or are they in it for them? You know, is this a political, you know, step on a ladder or are they really in it for the people? Are they really from here? Do they really want to represent this district the way this district has been over the last 35 years? And Mm -hmm. so it's important that someone be from that district and know the problems and know the people and, and how they see things, um, on a grander scale. Do you think that's a fault in our system that, you know, at the federal level, you don't actually have to live in the district to represent it? I don't, I don't know if it's a fault. Um, if, if it's a fault, it can be cured by the voter, mm-hmm. right? If the voter's educated, they can see that from a mile away. And, uh, and luckily for, for me, I think the GOP and the, the primary voters in Fort Bend County and Brazoria County uh, see that. And they understand how important it is to have a local person, you know, represent them in D.C., that district was hit pretty hard when Harvey came through, right? And we saw the response from our, our representatives and our senators to try and bring some relief uh, to that area in, in the immediate response. But long term, you know, are voters still talking about Harvey? Are they still talking about what can be done to either address the mitigation side or the planning and zoning side? Or have people already just forgotten Harvey? even happened no the the people that were hit and the people that were affected and had their homes flooded and have lost everything it is very fresh on their mind you know um two and a half years is not a long time Mm -mm. and and uh it takes a lot longer than that to rebuild an entire life so no the constituents really really um 
are still feeling the impacts every day, you know, whether it's their business or their home. And um, and the representatives did really well to get action quickly. Long term, what I've heard talking to the the members of the drainage districts is um, what the feds have done, what the Corps of Engineers do is they get all this funding. And for example, Pete Olson, who I'm trying to replace, is he went to bat and he got funding and he said, all right, the Corps got the money. They got the extra money they need. It's earmarked, so forth. And the drainage district said, okay, this is, this is what our plan was. And the, the Corps said, yeah, that's a great plan. And they said, uh, we got one too. And then whenever they looked at it, they went, man, our research is 20 years old. We got to restudy this. And instead of going with the local agencies and said, hey, look, they got a fresh plan that'll work. Let's just implement that. Mm-hmm. They used the money that was you know earmarked to restudy the entire thing and it's time to stop studying you know these people want to see tractors they want to see dirt move and they want to make sure that the next rv isn't going to affect them the same way so it's very fresh on their mind zone zoning can help you know it's a little irresponsible to zone residential areas in a floodplain that's literally designed to protect an entire city of six and a half million people from flooding um but that wasn't uh you know what can you do? Water's going to do what it does. Uh, n- nobody uh, planned the Barker Reservoir for the growth that we have. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's unfortunate, but it's a reality of geology. Really. Uh-huh. Well, and I grew up right next to that thing. So, you know, when I was watching the reports and saw on that, you know, it, the reservoir is about to crest, I was like, I, I could already see it, you know, my childhood home completely uh, yeah. just engulfed by those floodwaters. So... I, it sounds like you're interested though and in trying to cut down on the red tape and the bureaucracy and all the things that are stymieing the solutions that voters and citizens really want you know yeah absolutely you know there's things that that are bipartisan that have over 80 percent support across you know both both sides of the aisle and you talk about things like term limits i mm-hmm. mean that's got over 80 percent support dems and republicans um, you talk about things like a balanced budget amendment mm-hmm. that gets overwhelming support on both sides. And those are the things that we need to tackle right away. Um, if you could have a balanced budget amendment and, you know, really start budget reform and do zero based budgeting, just like somebody does in their home or their business, we'll start tackling some of that debt. And and that's going to free up uh, if, if we are going to help people, if we are going to impact more Americans, we have to do it from a, a, from the point of zero not from negative 23 trillion you know we can't dig a bigger hole yeah um and i think that would gain a lot of support i think you know republicans run on that constantly and um unfortunately we had and you know something that really frustrates the constituents is we had all three chambers you know we all had all three branches rather and um we had the house we had the senate we had the presidency and we did nothing with it i mean just sat on our heels and uh and i think that showed, you know, that showed in the midterms. It really did. Mm-hmm. And and it's really frustrated people because you go to their door and they say, yeah, we're going to get it all back. And what are y'all going to do with it? You know, and I wasn't even in the house and they're asking, what are you going to do with it? Y'all didn't do anything. It's y'all, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm the guy that's hoping to be the y'all. And, and that really frustrates people because yeah. they, they went to bat, you know, they really worked to make sure that we had Republican control across the board and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to act on what we say, you know, what we what we're running on 
needs to be acted on, especially if we get control of the House and, and keep the president. Well, and you mentioned it earlier, we have a booming economy right now, right? President Trump gets reelected. Re I don't see that slowing down. So for you, what's the first thing you do when you get in office? Well, hopefully, hopefully it's to, to continue that growth, right? Let that keep going. The economy is great. And we have a lot of growth, but it does nothing. Um, you know, President Trump has not reduced the budget at all. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still spending um, more than we ever have. And part of that's, um, you know, what Barack Obama did to the military. And there's history there. You know, Carter did it to the military. Mm -hmm. uh, Clinton did it to the military. And Obama did it to the military. So these Republicans get in and it's very hard to to reduce the budget because you're rebuilding the world's greatest military. Yeah. Uh, so that doesn't help, but we, we've got to set our country up for after Trump. So even if he gets elected for four more years, at the end of that four years, we still have a country and we still have debt and we need to start reducing that. And I think that will set Republicans up long-term if we can actually do something on that. If we can actually implement some healthcare ideas that work and lower the cost to replace Obamacare, um, which we failed to do 2016 through 2018, then I think that we will energize our base and we'll actually have people support Republicans across the board more. Do you think people are actually scared that Medicare for all is a possibility or is it more just the, the continuing shock of how big a failure that Obamacare was, you know, in terms of affordability and access and all these things that were promised? Well, every expert in the world said Obamacare wouldn't work. It, it's not a surprise. I don't think anyone's surprised. Um, if they're surprised, they were listening to the wrong experts. Mm -hmm. Um, but across the board, everyone was pretty sure Obamacare was going to be a failure. Um, Medicare for all is a different fear, you know, and and the people that are maybe um, talking that fear up are people who have seen things like, you know, the Cold War and they've seen Soviet Russia and they've seen what's happened in China and North Korea and seen those people starve. What our generation needs to look at is Venezuela, because seven years ago, Venezuela was doing fine. Mm -hmm. They they were just like us. Um they had all their rights, they had health care, they had all kinds of freedoms. And it only took seven years to lose all of that and to be eating out of trash cans and standing in line for bread and to have stacks of money that were literally got you nothing. Yeah. And um, we have to draw attention to that because that's, I mean, that is Medicare for all. That's mm -hmm. how it starts right there. If you control the health care, you start controlling a need, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and that's that's a scary thing. So I don't think it's an unwarranted fear at all, because um, at this point we have a Democrat socialist presidential candidate and Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, we're literally one election away from really turning the tide. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not an unwarranted fear. I hate, I hate to kind of go down this route, but, you know, uh, what will it take to turn the generation around? You know, um, there's a lot of divisiveness in our politics right now. How do we shed that and get back to responsible leadership? You know, you, you got to describe, you have to uh, present the information a different way. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the Democrats have the advantage because it's really easy to say, but mine's free. That's, that's a very quick argument. Yeah. Um, our side of the argument is a little more difficult because it revolves around facts and statistics and, and figures. And that's a very boring thing to talk about. So, you know, whether that's putting your information out there in video and the little whiteboard videos that, that you see on Facebook, 
hey, if that's what it takes, that's what we need to do as as representatives, as a party. We need to get that information out there in the quickest, most understandable format possible. Um, if that means highlighting what's happened in Venezuela, then highlight it, you know. But but those things have to be exposed for what they are, and and we're doing a really bad job of explaining that, you know. Uh, I don't agree with Dan Crenshaw and everything. I, I have to say that because he's you know he stepped on his his own toes a couple times, mm-hmm. but he's done a great job of explaining things in quick sound bites quick videos that the younger generation can understand that's what they have time for is to if i don't catch it while i'm scrolling through facebook i don't have time for it yeah and so that's where that's where the advantage is for for people like dan crenshaw now on an issue like immigration that again i it seems like it has bipartisan support we're just approaching it from different areas you know when you're having these cons- these conversations with voters in the district you know where where are they now on the immigration issue man you you hear every variant of a solution that you can possibly muster up um overwhelmingly we most people say, yeah, a border should have a physical barrier. That's what makes a border a border. There's an, in, you know, there's, there's a problem there. So we have to continue building the wall where it makes sense and invest in technology for those agents. But immigration as, as a whole needs reform. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this lottery system is, is incredibly ridiculous. Um, to leave who we decide comes into our country completely to chance I mean, what do we think about our liberties and what do we think about our country if we're willing to just kind of raffle it off and see what happens? Well, and we've seen how that's come back to bite us where, some, you know, some people get in and they do horrible things, you know. And absolutely. Certainly the victims of those crimes don't feel like they've won anything. No, absolutely. And and it's, um, you know, it's across the board. So I've, I've met with people. We've talked about EB1 and EB2 and EB3 visas and HB1 and uh, or you know, every visa under, you know, under the sun. And we have to, we have to overhaul the whole system. We have to end the status quo. You know, if that means finding middle ground, then we need to find middle ground because mm-hmm. the status quo is ridiculous. We should not have the same topic be a part of both parties' platforms for 30 years. That means that nothing's been done, nothing effective, nothing. There's been no progress. Yeah. You know, that's how you get, you know, the Pelosi's and the Schumer's talking about, really using the exact opposite points that they made 10 years ago against us. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the only way that's possible is when you have a complete status quo, when we can just go use that as, as kind of a stepping stone to, to launch a political career, to continue on is, is to fight these fights that you've always fought. And, uh, so we got to end the status quo. And I, and I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know where we, we all come together and, and find a solution, but, we do have to have secure borders and we have to protect our country from, from those that want to do harm. And not everyone that, that crosses that water wants to do harm, but one person we've, we've realized that one person can make a huge impact. One person can kill a lot of people with an airplane. Um, so we can't just have, you know, open borders. And, and when you combine open borders with something like Medicare for all, that includes everybody in the country. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have a country anymore. We're done. You know, um, and there's ways to stop that. Ending birthright citizenship is something that I think, you know, would go a long way. That we got to end chain migration. We have to protect the borders um, long before we can have Medicare for all or anything mm-hmm. you know, close to it. We're just we're asking for, for trouble because um, if a caravan of 10,000 
is is eye opening to people. Wait till you have Medicare for all. Um, yeah, I I don't know any doctors that would continue practicing medicine mm-hmm. under those circumstances. Well, I'm, I'm sure the north half of the country would probably start going to Canada to you know. <laughs> sample yeah. their uh, yeah. Medicare run, for all. Run right? away. Yeah. Run away. <laughs> or just, you know, quick pop across the border for a doctor's visit. And, Absolutely. you know, uh, well, as we wrap up here, you know, you're here by yourself. You know, you don't have 14 other people that you're trying to, you know, elbow out of the way or get, you know, your point across. What is your message to voters? You know, here's your chance to give them the pitch. Why vote Joe Walls for CD22? Well, first, my team would be really upset if I didn't use the opportunity to to ask all the young Republicans to go to votewalls.com and look at the whole platform. Um, I am the only one that was born and raised there. I am the only one that started a business from $300 there. I'm the only one with healthcare experience. I'm a real leader. I'm not just coming out of left field. This isn't a, a political career that I'm that I'm trying to bolster. It's not something I'm trying to launch under a family name. I'm from there, and I want to serve the people that live there. Uh, that's first and foremost. Second, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. If, if it's on my website, I'm going to try to do that. Uh, whether that means going on CNN and Fox News and OAN you know, nightly and talking about it, then that's what it means. But if I put something on my platform, it's not a platform, it's a promise. So I will submit legislation that, that is for that purpose. If it goes anywhere, that's not really up to me. You know, I'll do my best, but... Those are promises, and uh, and I ask that everybody, if you can contribute five or six bucks, that goes a long way, and I would appreciate every donation. Right, and give that website, social media, all yeah, that stuff. Everything, yeah, everything. Social media is at Joe Walls W A L Z T X two two, and the website is votewalls.com, and the last name is W A L Z. Brother, it was so good to see you again. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Do this, man. Best of luck in the race. Thank you. All right. Thank you again to Joe for coming in uh, to RPT HQ, sitting down with us. If you want to learn more about him, you can go to Joe Walls for Congress on Facebook, or you can visit his website, votewalls.com. Find him on Instagram at JoeWallsTX22. Uh, again, a lot of candidates in that race for how, or excuse me, uh, CD22. If you are interested in coming on the show, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast, or you can uh, find us on Facebook, Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that is it for me today. I thank you again for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We also push this out on YouTube. So I'm looking out for my Android users out there. Uh, but again, thank you for tuning in, listening, share the message, make sure that your friends and neighbors are getting informed about these elections. Uh, Until next time, friends, we'll see you down the road.